Welcome to the Refine Your Health podcast with Dr. Dion. I'm a primary care physician, and now I can happily add podcaster. Tune in to each episode to hear great information on improving health outcomes, disease prevention, and overall community health advocacy. Thanks for listening. Now let's jump into today's episode to improve your health. Hello, listeners. This is your host, Dr. Dion, and thanks for checking out this episode of Refine Your Health. I am so excited to be with you during this episode because I am celebrating my one year anniversary of doing this podcast. One year ago when I started this podcast, it was in the midst of the pandemic, which we're still dealing with at this point. But I just wanted to do something as a medical provider in the community to educate people more so about their health outside of the four walls of the office. And it has been an amazing journey for me. And I hope it has been informative for all of the listeners. Thank you so much for subscribing and leaving your reviews about the podcast. And for those of you who have not subscribed, please do so. Also tell others about it because it will continue to help me to grow this podcast and to bring more information to to individuals throughout the world. With that being said, for the month of September, I'm going to do only one episode this month as I celebrate my one year anniversary of doing this podcast. And the topic for this podcast is sickle cell disease. We're in the month of September and September is considered sickle cell awareness month. And it's something that, you know, is not talked about much in the media, but it's an important topic to discuss. So who is impacted by sickle cell disease? According to the Center for Disease Control, it states that typically sickle cell disease affects 90 to 100,000 people in the United States, mostly African-American. The disease occurs in one in every 500 African-American births and about one out of every 36,000 Hispanic-American births. And sickle cell can affect millions of people throughout the world and is common among those ancestors from sub-Saharan Africa, regions in the Western Hemisphere, such as South America, the Caribbean, and Central America, Saudi Arabia, India, and the Mediterranean countries such as Turkey, Greece, and Italy have individuals dealing with sickle cell disease. So now that we know who is mostly impacted by sickle cell disease, now what is sickle cell disease? Sickle cell disease is an inherited blood disorder that affects red blood cells. People with sickle cell disease have red blood cells that contain mostly hemoglobin S, which is considered an abnormal type of hemoglobin. So you may be asking yourself, okay, what is hemoglobin in general anyway? Hemoglobin is the main substance of the red blood cells in our bodies. It helps red blood cells carry oxygen from the air in our lungs to all parts of the body. Normal red blood cells contain hemoglobin A, which basically is different from what I just told you about sickle cell disease. They carry hemoglobin S, which is an abnormal type of hemoglobin. So normal red blood cells, as I said, contains hemoglobin A. And normal red blood cells that contain hemoglobin A, they're soft and round and able to squeeze and a little bit more flexible as they pass through the blood vessels. So normally red blood cells live for about 120 days before new ones are developed to replace those. So in the case of sickle cell disease, you have these cells that contain hemoglobin S and it results in the cells becoming distorted, hard, and 
as a result, they're not as pliable to be able to squeeze and slide through the blood vessels. And so if you decrease blood supply to the rest of the body, it can cause damage. And when these cells become distorted or in this case, sickled, which is almost like a C shape that impacts its flow through the blood vessels within the body. And as a result, people with sickle cell conditions make a different form of the hemoglobin A, and that's called hemoglobin S, as I mentioned earlier. And because these red blood cells containing mostly hemoglobin S, they do not live as long as these red blood cells that contain hemoglobin A, which I just mentioned last about 120 days before they're replaced. But in the case of sickle cells, they only last mostly, I should say, mostly 16 days. So that is a significant decrease compared to a normal red blood cell with hemoglobin A. So now that we know who is impacted as well as what is sickle cell disease. So you may want to know, how are you diagnosed with sickle cell disease? And that's a great question. Most Individuals are diagnosed at birth. There is a genetic screening that is done when a newborn is brought into this world and that can be used to diagnose sickle cell disease. This screening test is mainly conducted in most United States hospitals prior to discharging a newborn from the hospital. So what are the types of sickle cell disease? So there's hemoglobin SS in which there is an inherited gene from each parent for the hemoglobin S hemoglobin from each parent, which results in sickle cell anemia, which is the most severe form of sickle cell disease. Then you have hemoglobin SC, which this is a form of sickle cell disease where you inherit a sickle cell gene, which is the S from one parent. And from the other parent, you inherit a gene, which is for an abnormal hemoglobin called C. A third type of sickle cell disease is hemoglobin S beta thalassemia. This is where you inherit sickle cell gene S from one parent. And then another gene, I should say, is the beta thalassemia gene that you inherit from another parent. And that's how you get the hemoglobin S beta thalassemia. And then the fourth type is basically made of three different types of sickle cell disease. It's either hemoglobin SD, hemoglobin SE, or hemoglobin SO. And so from this form of sickle cell, you inherit one hemoglobin S, which is from one parent. And then the other parent either gives you hemoglobin D or possibly E or hemoglobin O. And the severity of these rare types of sickle cell disease can vary compared to the severe type of sickle cell disease where you inherit, like I mentioned earlier, hemoglobin S from one parent and hemoglobin S from another parent to equal that severe type of sickle cell disease or sickle cell anemia. Now that we talked about the different types of sickle cell disease, some of you may be thinking about, okay, what about sickle cell trait? So sickle cell trait is not considered a type of sickle cell disease. However, sickle cell trait, which is where you inherit hemoglobin A and S are produced in the red blood cells. And sickle cell trait is generally in individuals and they don't even know about it, that they even have it. And so most of the time it's often diagnosed with a simple blood test. So basically 
sickle cell trait means that a person carries a single gene, which is a sickle cell disease, and can pass that gene on to their children. And people with sickle cell trait basically do not have any of the symptoms of sickle cell disease and can live a normal life. So for those who are impacted by sickle cell trait, they're more common among those who are from Africa, the Mediterranean region, Middle East, South Asia, but anyone can have sickle cell trait. So it occurs in one in 12 blacks or African-Americans in the United States. Again, I mentioned earlier, many people don't even know that they have it. So I will be able to discuss a little bit further about how they may differ as they present as far as sign and symptoms related to sickle cell disease versus sickle cell trait. So now what are some of the signs and symptoms or even potential complications of sickle cell disease? Individuals with sickle cell disease have signs of disease most of the times during the first year of life, usually around five months of age. They have the risk of pain episodes or crisis. And this is the number one reason why most patients living with sickle cell disease present to the ER or the hospital is because of a pain crisis. And this is mainly due, like I mentioned earlier, because the cells from a patient dealing with sickle cell disease becomes sickled. And so those cells impede blood flow to certain parts of the body. So if you're impeding blood flow, that can cause damage to the cells, as well as leading to decreased blood flow to important organs within the body. And then you have this intense pain crisis. So from the aspect of, I should say, the pain episode or crisis, most of these individuals are treated or prevented through plenty of water hydration, avoiding getting too cold or too hot trying to avoid high altitudes as much as possible, extreme exercise, vigorous exercise, such as boot camps. Adults with severe disease are placed on a medication called hydroxyurea, which hopefully decreases the pain episodes and crisis. And it can be used in infants and children as well. And an interesting point about the hydroxyurea is that according to the Sickle Cell Disease Association of America website, it mentioned that in a study that they mentioned on their website said that hydroxyurea has been associated with lower annual rates of pain crisis and pain episodes of acute chest syndrome and the need for transfusions. And the interesting part about it is that hydroxyurea was first approved by the FDA for sickle cell disease in 1998. And so that's interesting in that People have been dealing with sickle cell disease for years, and I thought medicine to treat sickle cell disease was available before 1998. But apparently the research that has been done regarding sickle cell disease in this particular medication, hydroxyurea, has been shown to be beneficial to adults and children living with sickle cell anemia. So that is something that is important to hopefully decrease the pain crisis. That is a major complication of dealing with sickle cell disease. Now, some of these pain crisis can be treated with over-the-counter pain medications such as like ibuprofen. But for severe pain, some individuals may require stronger medications such as opioids. So if it becomes too intense, most patients are admitted to the hospital for more intensive treatment. Another sign or symptom or I should say more potential complication of sickle cell disease is anemia. As I mentioned, sickle cell disease 
impacts the red blood cells and they are not able to be in circulation as long as normal red blood cells. Therefore, you have the increased risk of anemia because you have a high turnover of red blood cells and they're not able to carry as much oxygen as the body would potentially need. So you have increased uh, symptoms of tiredness, irritability. You may have dizziness, lightheadedness, increased heart rate. You may even have pale skin. And if you have a high turnover of red blood cells, you may also have what we call jaundice, where you have possibly yellowing of the whites of the eyes or yellowing of the skin, delayed puberty, I should say, a slow growth. And the treatment for anemia, especially if it's severe, is transfusions. Also, you may have a potential risk of complications of getting too many blood transfusions. And that's where you may have potential iron overload. And that can also cause issues of damaging certain organs such as your your heart, your liver. So there's treatments for that as well. If you get too many blood transfusions to treat the anemia that may develop from sickle cell disease. And that is iron chelation where they try to remove the excess iron that's present in the body to prevent the long-term complications of transfusions, which is due to iron overload. Another sign and symptom of sickle cell disease that can develop is infection, especially in infants and children, such as flu, meningitis, and hepatitis. So in order to prevent it, it's either through making sure that you wash your hands, proper food prep, vaccination, Penicillin is often given as a prophylaxis or I should say preventative measure until five years old. Also, fever is important to make sure that you seek medical attention if it develops in a individual living with sickle cell disease, because that can be a sign of a major infection. Another health problem can develop in infants mostly is the hand foot syndrome, where you have swelling in the hands and feet, often associated with the fever. And it's due again to the sickle in the cells getting stuck in blood vessels and blocking blood flow in the hands as well as the feet causing significant swelling and pain. So that's a common condition, especially in infants. And the most common uh, treatment for this type of condition is pain management as well as increased fluid hydration. There are also uh, complications of uh, leg ulcers that may develop and it's more common in males than females. And is basically the increased blockage of blood vessels in the uh, leg due to decreased blood flow. And most are treated with medicated creams and ointments. So let's talk about some of the more serious complications of sickle cell disease, such as deep vein thrombosis or pulmonary embolisms, better known as blood clots. And this is due to uh, sickling of the cells, increasing blood coagulation. And so as a result, you have increased risk of development of blood clots. And this can cause uh, symptoms uh, such as, you know, shortness of breath, chest pain. Now, if you also have this increased issue of coagulation and things of that nature, that increases the risk of damage to the body organs leading to decrease in blood flow because the formation of a blood clot. And most of these are treated through fluid hydration and blood thinners. In essence, you're trying to prevent a blood clot and pulmonary embolism from developing. So you have preventative measures in place. Now, if you have a condition where there is 
blood flow blockage and sickling sickling of cells that goes into the penis region. This may result in a painful erection, which is called priapism. Also, because of the increased issues with increased sickling of cells and high turnover, you may have the development of what we call gallstones. So medication is used to treat these deep vein thrombosis or pulmonary embolisms, which are better known as forms of blood, blood clots, just dependent on where they are formed, as well as medications to prevent the development of such blood clots in the body. Another major complication of sickle cell disease is acute chest syndrome, which is blockage of blood flow to the lungs. And it can present similar to a pneumonia with chest pain, cough, shortness of breath and fever. And it's considered life threatening and it is treated in the hospital. In addition, you have splenic or spleen sequestration, which is also considered life threatening, which is basically you have an accumulation of clotting within the spleen. And as a result, it can cause what you call an infarction or damage to the spleen itself. And the spleen is used as a way to fight off infection within the body as well as remove damaged or old red blood cells. And this is mostly treated or prevented with blood transfusions or just removing the spleen itself. Now, blockage of the blood vessels in the eye can lead to blindness. So the best way to prevent eye damage is, of course, making sure that you have routine annual eye exams. But if there is damage, there is a potential treatment, which is called laser treatment to treat those individuals that may have damage to their eyes. And lastly, the other complication that is severe related to sickle cell disease is stroke. And that's when you block the blood vessels that uh, supply the blood to the brain and that increases the risk of stroke. And this in essence can lead to long-term disabilities. You may have issues with weakness in your upper or lower extremities where you can't potentially walk or pick or lift up things. Also, you may have a difficulty not being able to speak. So it's very complicated in a sense of knowing how you may return after a stroke, will you be back to your normal daily activities or will they be impaired because you've developed a long-term disability related to a sickling crisis that led to damage to certain parts of the brain that is no longer able to function normally and then is impacting your ability to function normally on a day-to-day basis. Now, some of you may be asking, okay, how do individuals living with sickle cell trait present? Now, like I said, majority of individuals living with uh, or who have sickle cell trait don't have any health problems that have been caused by inheriting the hemoglobin A as well as the hemoglobin S gene. But if they are put in certain situations or place themselves in certain situations, it can increase their risk of developing symptoms, which is most common a pain crisis. And that can be due to traveling at high altitudes or exercising at high altitudes, mountain climbing, where the oxygen level may not be as high compared to sea level. You may have increased development of pain crisis with dehydration, or if you have an intense, vigorous exercise regimen such as like a military boot camp or in 
the process of athletic training for certain sports and competition, you can develop what we call a pain crisis. And for majority of the athletes that are, I would say, collegiate athletes, there are recommendations by the sports medicine organizations that recommend that individuals be tested for sickle cell trait prior to entering a collegiate sport because of the risk of these symptoms and potentially leading to potential pain crisis and possibly organ injury because of the sickle cell trait and presenting almost with symptoms as sickle cell disease and potentially can lead to some of those complications related to sickle cell disease. Lastly, okay, there's all this treatment and preventative measures for sickle cell disease. So some of you may be asking, okay, is there a cure for sickle cell disease? And yes, there is. The only cure for sickle cell disease is either a bone marrow or stem cell transplant. And these are procedures that take healthy stem cells from a donor and puts them into someone who has bone marrow that is not working properly. These healthy stem cells cause the bone marrow to make new healthy cells. But with this procedure, it's pretty risky. So that's why you don't hear too many sickle cell disease patients receiving these type of treatments because number one, there are serious side effects, including death. And for the transplant to work, you need to have a person that is a a donor that is a close match to the recipient that will be getting the stem cells. And so from this standpoint, it's important, especially as it relates to sickle cell disease, to be managed with a specialist called a hematologist who looks at who may or may not be a candidate for stem cell transplant or bone marrow transplant. In addition, A hematologist specialist looks at the preventative as well as the treatment measures and tailors them specifically to each patient dealing with sickle cell disease. So I know I went through a lot of information related to sickle cell disease, but the information I share is important to know about sickle cell disease, such as what is sickle cell disease, and to know that sickle cell trait is not a type of sickle cell disease, but also to know What are the signs and symptoms and who are the individuals that are mostly impacted and what are the potential uh, complications and problems associated with having sickle cell disease and potentially how sickle cell trait may present with potential complications if your history is not really known. And although I gave you some extensive information about sickle cell disease. I don't want you to think that it's all doom and gloom that if you have this diagnosis that you can't live a long and fulfilled life is that you just need to know the information about sickle cell disease, how it's managed. And based on the CDC website, 95% of the newborns born with sickle cell disease in the United States will live to be adults. For example, a couple of celebrities that you may know of, one is T-Boz, who is part of one of the musical groups that I really enjoy, and that's TLC. She suffers from sickle cell disease, as well as a former professional NFL athlete, Santonio Holmes. So these individuals who were born with sickle cell disease have gone on to live productive as well as high quality um, lives despite having the condition of sickle cell disease. However, the most important thing to remember in regards to being able to have that high quality of 
life as well as living a longer life is making sure, number one, as an individual living with sickle cell disease, that you have your regular checkups, following treatments by your doctor, preventing infections by taking simple steps such as washing your hands and making sure that you're staying hydrated, drinking eight to 10 glasses of water a day and making sure that you eat healthy foods. So hopefully by taking some of those uh, simple steps as far as preventative measures can decrease the risk of complications of sickle cell disease. And so I hope this information has been helpful. Definitely feel free to pass this on to friends and family or individuals that you may know who are dealing with sickle cell disease or may be at risk for having sickle cell trait. And Thanks again for checking out this episode. I am so excited that I have made it to my one year anniversary. Thank you for the continued support. Definitely don't forget to subscribe. And I will make sure that I put the links for the CDC website to get information, more information, I say, about sickle cell disease, as well as I will put the link into the Sickle Cell Disease Association of, of America website so you can get inf- more information about sickle cell disease from that site as well. Thanks again for checking out this episode. And this is your host, Dr. Dion. Take care. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe and feel free to tell your family and friends to check out the podcast. And remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and the thoughts and opinions do not constitute medical advice.